Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, plus your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA will be available at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants beginning on Thursday, August 31st. Visit funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Visit the website in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Penn State's training camp is ongoing. Plenty of news and updates to dive into. There's been a lot of opportunities, Justin, for the, the public, the fans, to kind of get a look at this team a little bit more than usual than we've gotten used to under James Franklin. The Some open scrimmages, some open practices, which is uh, it's very odd like that just doesn't happen that often under James Franklin likes to keep everything close to the vest and you know not allowing fans to take videos and pictures of stuff obviously wanting to have a competitive advantage but this has been really interesting to see the program kind of up and open up its doors that way and as a result we're we're learning a lot more uh the layperson at least is learning a lot more about this team but um overall you have fabulous connections obviously to the team what's the overall vibe you're feeling from the team right now I mean, the vibe from the team is, you know, got to come ready to play for and meet the expectations. I feel from just talking to different people is everybody just getting on the same page. Obviously, at the beginning of camp, the defense is ahead um, of the offense when we come to the development of actually operating. We looked at the athletic article from the open practice and talk about the de defense dominating. But one, Penn State having an elite defense, you would expect them to be a little bit ahead of the offense at this moment, but at the same time, it seems like a lot of promise of where the offense is and where they're moving towards. And just to piggyback on what you said, the, the practices being open, I think is extremely important when you talk about the new age of college football, NIL and all these different aspects. I'm, I'm looking forward to not only open practices, but like all the different rules across the country where freshmen are allowed to speak. Like we saw it in the Johnny Manziel episode. I mean, at Penn State, it used to be essential for a freshman not to be able to speak to the media, but with now NIL building out that brand and giving that full access and fan engagement, starting from like a league operation standpoint, you, you knew from WWE or even from being on that side, fan engagement is the key to this whole sports and entertainment business. So for coaches that want to excel and get 
whether it's donations or people to support, you have to provide some level of access. And I think that's what we're seeing now with these open practices in training camp, which is it's one thing to do it in spring ball when you're, you know, almost six months away from the season, but two weeks away, open practice, that's new, that's new day age of football, man. <laughs> yeah. I and mean, considering that one practice was Saturday evening and it was pouring rain out and you still had fans out there in attendance. And honestly, like there's no part of me that is shocked by that because I have been one of those fans that sat through rainy, nasty games, horrible weather, bad situations altogether. So I, I get it. Um, and there's a lot of promise for this team altogether. I want to hit on something you mentioned there. And there is a great article on The Athletic. Uh, Audrey Snyder, who always does a phenomenal job covering Penn State football. Absolutely. Uh, talking extensively about the team but the overall sense a number of media outlets a number of players former players coaches whoever you talk to the discussion surrounding this Penn State defense is not just that oh they're going to be good right it's that this could be top five top three in the country good you were just saying kind of at this point in camp you, you almost expect that just because there is that installation period with the offense where they're just trying to get things organized and that aforementioned Saturday evening uh, scrimmage, open practice, whatever you want to call it. Um, the offense struggled a little bit, so it's just a, a matter of letting people know, like, hey, don't freak out necessarily about how Drew Aller and the rest of the team is doing on offense. But it just sounds like the more and more we hear about the defense is that this this would be one of the best defenses Penn State has seen under James Franklin. What do you feel? I mean, I feel that way too. I think it was some glimpses of that last year. We've just seen the type of explosive plays, the length that they had on defense. Obviously, they had Joey Porter and some other guys out there, but just the speed, the team speed in general, right from the safeties, the secondary, the linebackers got Abdul, and then the front the front seven. I mean, the front seven with the defensive line. I mean, just the makeup of the whole team and team speed from just a, up just a from a baseline standpoint is impressive to begin with. Now you add in some who's in this with the secondary coaches, you add in Manny, uh, Manny coming with the exotic defense and, a, and blitz packages and things of that nature. Now you're really starting to cook with gas. And I mean, again, we saw it last year and just think of that being elevated from another year of experience, guys playing together, understanding where you're going to be. It's, it's a feel thing playing on defense, rep- uh, recognizing where someone might, fill a hole and you have to make them right or how someone might play uh, a play in the back end. It, it's I mean that year of working together really just shows. And so that's why you would expect that to be that to, for them to be ahead at this point, but at the same time, just the talent and sheer athleticism and speed that they have on the defense cannot be understated. Let's start with, I know your favorite position, defensive back corner to be specific. <laughs> Uh, Kalen King, people are talking about this guy being a first round draft pick next year, following right on the heels of Joey Porter Jr. Uh, I believed that last season, and it sounds like everything that's gone on in camp is leaning that way. Uh, himself and Johnny Dixon are as advertised. Uh, I personally think the world of Daquan Hardy as a third defensive back, as a third corner, as that nickel slot corner. I think he gets overlooked a little bit too often because he is in that role. And there have been some that have said, well, the corner position is thinner once you get past those top two. And I'm like, I, I, I tend to disagree. I really like what Daquan is able to do. And then even the depth they have at that position, would you disagree that it's shallow after the first two? I would definitely disagree. I mean, lockdown you. How can I, you know, beyond it being locked down you? Being as unbiased as you can be. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? As unbiased as I can be. But no, besides it being locked down you, when you talk about that star position that, they, uh, that Daquan Hardy plays, 
it's essential to the glue of the defense. We talk about just where we we think of young quarterbacks. We talk about Drew Aller, where he should lean onto. It's like the tight ends, the middle of the field, those easier throws. And having a star and nickel type of cornerback like Daquan that can punt return, blitz, make plays on the back end and do different things and like cover at an elite level. I don't think the layman football fan understands how valuable and important that position is until that position is a little shaky. And it's like third and eight. And someone's catching a 12 yard pass and you're just like, wait, who's that? Who's supposed to be covering this? Or if there's like a, a draw play and someone's not showing up to make the tackle and like things slip through all the plays that are essentially moving the sticks type plays where there's not like a highlighted person. You really notice those when that person's not there. But the fact that those plays are sewn up when we get off the field on third down, like you can credit that to a strong nickel position, especially with the type of defense that Manny runs, leaving guys out. I don't say leave out the drive, but when you're blitzing, you're putting a lot of pressure on the people to cover. And so having guys like Johnny Dixon, having guys like um, Kalen King on the outside just creates another level of pressure when you're sending guys like Abdul Carter and Disa Isaac coming off of the edge. It just creates a symphony on defense that breeds top 10 level defenses. You've played the nickel corner, more so in the National Football League. You were more uh, a boundary corner at Penn State. Where did you feel more comfortable, and can you articulate the differences between the two positions? Sure. I would say like a corner position is a uh, – how can I say it? It's, it's an athletic-based position where you're main technique-based on the outside. There's only a couple – so many – routes that you can cover, right? A fade route, a post, curl, comeback, maybe a dig every once in a while, quick slant. For when you're in the inside, it's a it's a full throttle. You're, I want to say, a, more of a football player than just a, a more so hired hit to take out it's a receiver. Full route tree plus run full, defense. Full route tree. You have to plug in the run. You have to cover on the back end. You have to read. You have to cover tight ends. You have to blitz. You have to pick up routes going across the field. You have to read the whole entire I mean, all whole entire offense to understand exactly how they're attacking you. Sometimes you can get into a zone from playing the corner position, like, all right, this is my guy. This is my side of the field. And you kind of get locked into this, um, you know, man on man type of situation. And that's why confidence is such a critical factor to have at corner. But I think the playmaking ability, smarts and football instincts reign supreme at that nickel position. The good thing about this Penn State uh, cornerback group is there's youth and there's a lot of ability that comes with it. Guys like Cam Miller, uh, Makai Flowers. Uh, also, don't forget about uh, Davian Collins is a guy that just transferred from Mississippi State is a redshirt freshman. Got a lot of other guys, Zion Tracy, Elliott Washington, the second Lamont Payne Jr. Like those guys who are going to be able to rotate in there. But speaking of rotating in, it seems like the safety position for Penn State is where you're going to see the most guys rotating in and out. Uh, we know about Keaton Ellis, Saki Wheatley, Jalen Reed. King Mack has been a name that's come up a lot. Uh, also, KJ Winston uh, tends to be a guy they can put in a lot of different positions. Mack is very similar. It sounds like they put him in a lot of different positions. Uh, also, uh, Tony Rojas and Tamir Robinson, linebackers, but also have that somewhat of that ability to maybe drop back into coverage a little bit. And it feels like it feels like the NBA. It feels like a positionless back seven to me. I don't know exactly how to describe it. How would you articulate it? I mean, I think that's what you're looking for when you're building out a defense from a personnel standpoint. I think I spoke about it earlier. Just having an ability to show exotic looks and never really tip off the offense of like where or what position 
different back end people are playing, whether it's a nickel playing safety at one position, a safety playing dime, or having rotational flexibility on that back end. And when you don't miss a beat, where like all the guys can cover, all the guys can tackle, all the guys are playmakers, it, it gives it gives the defensive coordinator and the back end coaches like some weapons to deal with. And that's when you really start to weaponize a defense and you start creating turnovers and having those, you know, elite level you know, stats at the end of the year. And I mean, that's why I even say that they were probably ahead. I mean, based on industry standard, but there's probably so far ahead of the offense at this point in the game. Uh, in terms of the safety position, from what you're hearing, uh, who could we expect to see the most of? Ah, oh, man, I think you mentioned it with Jalen Reed, right? When you talk about someone that's just a sound, smart football player, one of the critical factors of playing safety outside of making plays and showing up and doing all these things is like, can coaches rely on you? I think he's one of those one of those players. I think he and Ellis fits that mold um, as well. Uh, Zaki Wheatley and KJ Winston, I think is going to be another one that we can keep our eyes eyes on to, to make a splash this year, especially from just the athletic ability, seeing them in a couple practices. Uh, it would be interesting to see his mold and where he can kind of develop into. Um, having a guy like Tig, Jaquan Brisker, I feel like he kind of fits in that mold. Obviously, Zaki <clears throat> Keaton and all these guys are playmakers in, as well, but I think there's some special stuff with KJ's uh, on top of that. You mentioned Jaquan Brisker, and I don't want to jump to conclusions or anything like that, but the word out of camp about King Mack, granted a freshman, roughly 5'9", 5'10", 190 pounds out of Florida, right. playing with violence and can – really light people up, but a smart, smart coverage guy, really, really talented. What what was your feeling about King Mac when he was being recruited? Well, I mean, King Mac, he came out of uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, right? From what I, am I, am I speaking of the right person? You are correct. You are yeah, correct. Yeah. I mean, coming out of, yeah, coming out of a place like that, Coach Harriet, shout out to Coach Roger Harriet. I know their head coach down there, but when you're coming out of a program like St. Thomas Aquinas, I mean, they had Hall of Famers. Uh, uh, Sam Madison used to be a DB coach down there. Their coach has seen numerous NFL players. Jason Taylor was a coach before he moved to uh, Miami down there. So you get a different development curve from guys coming from certain programs across the country. I mean, some players don't recognize that, but St. Thomas Aquinas is one of those places. And especially going to South Florida and bringing a player out of there to come to the North, there's a certain profile of kid that can even do that or want to feel comfortable leaving you know south florida to come to leap. penn state it's a big leap it's a huge leap and it's, it's again it's a profile of a kid right that everybody from south florida wants to be in the middle of pennsylvania but for this kid in the to, snow in october yeah in the, in the snow or whatever the case whatever the case may be sometimes it's just a cultural thing right i mean if you're growing up in florida you just don't want to come to pa but the fact they did that and just where he's coming from from that high school and just the development that you see from there whether it's asante samuel seeing him in the uh, nfl with the chargers or just different players the bosa brother bosa brothers that went there it's a good stock and program that players come from so i felt good about him coming through it's always interesting, like I said, from just a cultural standpoint, a Florida player coming to Penn State, but the talent level was always uh, – that was never a question. He always had a, a pretty strong high-level high engine coming out of high school. I mean, that's something that we always talk about, underwriting a prospect's career. Then it becomes like that culture fit and if they can develop in their avenue in these different institutions. So to see that in him excelling at Penn State, I am – I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. 
uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do once the season gets started. And again, a, a dude who's a freshman, do they burn a red shirt? James Franklin's really cautious about that stuff. So we'll, we'll just see how the season progresses. And that's a positive if you do have to burn it because it means the guy's doing something right. Right. Uh, along the defensive line, um, some unfortunate news in the last few days. Uh, Smith Vilbert, who it just seems like a guy who's been snake bit a little bit. Injuries, uh, off the field issues. Uh, not that he's a bad kid or anything like that, but this was, last thing was an injury. He's out for the remainder of the season. Um, I believe he just wrapped up his studies, as a matter of fact. I think he just graduated. So uh, it, this is just you know frustrating. Uh, I imagine for him, ten times more than we could ever uh, imagine. But when you look at the remainder of the defensive line room, there's the question at defensive tackle, which you and I have talked about a little bit. Is that it's like, yeah, it's not as much size as you would like. You are going to be paying attention to that. The games against Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, those ones where you really got to get in the trenches and stop the run. But defensive end feels spectacular to the point that people are talking about Chop Robinson as possibly the best pass rusher in America. What say you? I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, obviously, we've seen what Chop uh, did last year. I'm excited to see Adisa Isaac, if I'm going to be completely honest. Like, that's mm-hmm. my um, crown jewel going into this season that I would love to see have a, a great season. He's a great year. I mean, a breakout year, to be honest, because I remember him recruiting him out of high school and just coming out of Canarsie in, in Brooklyn. He was like a frail, more like a frail type basketball player, but you always saw the athletic ability that he had on the football field. He's very bendy, explosive, and just those different type of traits that you see transition into a, an elite pass rusher. And just seeing the different rumblings of coming out of um, Penn State and him going to the Penn, uh, the Big Ten conference for uh, press conferences for. As a, as a leader of the team, he's someone that I would look forward to to make that splash and really get to the quarterback on the first type of moves where it's not just hustle and, and chase down the quarterback type of pressures, but pressures where you're winning immediately and just throwing the ball up and getting some turnovers. So I'm, I'm really excited about Adisa Isaac. I'm personally very excited about uh, Deny Dennis Sutton. Listed at about 6'5", 260. I don't think he's really even grown into his frame yet. I think there's it, – which is terrifying, really, because, like, there's only a handful of people walking the planet with his type of – his range, his wingspan is significant. And he just seemed to be figuring things out at the back end of his freshman campaign last season. Uh, what have you heard about Dennis Sutton this camp? I mean, he's a guy, right? Like, I mean, just from spring, uh, doing a couple of NIL act, uh, activations with those guys through um, Success with Honor or whatever the name of the collective is now. But like back when we Happy were Valley doing, United. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, Happy Valley United. I don't think it, it was a different entity, whatever that might be. Google but it. I spent some time yeah. with them, and you know, just <laughs> I know one of those NIL collectives. But spending time with them through that through the uh, event, you just get a sense, like you said. It's the developmental aspect that he's coming through, just the maturity. And just from a defensive lineman standpoint, he is huge, right? And just like the athletic ability and even the way that the offense, I mean, not the offense, but the coaching staff approached and put him on the second team through spring ball to get him those reps against the startings, the starting offensive line speaks volumes to just that preparation for a, a coaching staff to make sure that this player is ready. So I heard about him coming out of high school and the athletic ability just from different sources in the DMV area. So I'm excited to see what uh, he puts on the field this year. Yeah. Defensive tackle. uh, There's not been anything terribly illuminating. I think necessarily that's come out of camp unless you've heard something different. (sighs) Nah, wait and see, wait and see. 
Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and be ready for week one with the Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. Also, check out their Let There Be White tee for the whiteout game against Iowa at Beaver Stadium. There's also the Drink Up Roar On tee, as well as the Saturday's We Are design. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit smackapparel.com and use our promo code STATE10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com, that's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com, and use our promo code STATE. 20, that's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, we, we know the players. We know the guys like Akeem Beeman, Amin Vanover going to rotate in at that position. Uh, Zane Durant, I'm personally expecting big things from this season, just like tonight. Dennis Sutton really came on the back end of last season. Zane Durant, there's something to be said in football about making the most of your opportunities, regardless of when they occur, even if it's in mop-up duty, uh, some random play that you just got to go in because the guy's helmet popped off, something like that. Zane Durant consistently made the most of his opportunities in 2022, and I have an expectation that he is going to break out this year. And there's another guy that I continue to talk about, in, uh, Jordan Vandenberg, just a weight room warrior, a dude who has the physical ability to be disruptive at defensive tackle and I'm just curious when he's going to do that and it's not any fault of his own I just think it's kind of a really stacked room and he's a little lower on the depth chart than he would probably like to be I mean like similar to what I spoke about the star position on defenses when we talk about defensive tackles um on on the on the, in the front seven just in the mm-hmm. sense of you don't really understand their impact until you're going full go in a real live game so even wherever they left off last year, whatever the evaluation was from the fans, you're not going to see much or hear much through the off season, right? Just guys that are healthy, guys are getting bigger, stronger and ready to play. But the time will tell, I mean, week two or three, when, when these running type teams come into the Beaver stadium and trying to run the ball down our throat and we'll get the answer pretty quick on who made that jump or if we're at the line that we need to be at the defensive tackle, because I think that is essential for us being a playoff type of team. Because to get out of the Big Ten, you have to be able to stop the run, regardless of the type of athletes that you have. This is still football. Right. Uh, it sounds like Keziah Izzard has gotten back uh, to being healthy and being competitive. Uh, Devon Elise is somebody you're going to rely on at defensive tackle. Has had some uh, some family off the field uh, difficulties, unfortunately, recently. So uh, condolences to the Ellie's family. And a guy that you know, I don't necessarily want to bank on seeing a lot of him, but he had a pretty good showing in the blue-white game. And, you know, it's something that James Franklin talks about in regards to P.J. Mustafer was, you know, a big guy, 310 pounds. And you said it before, there aren't many people walking the earth that are that size and can do some of the things that P.J. did. And, yeah, people will say it's like, well, he wasn't the greatest defensive tackle that ever lived. I'm like, yeah, but for what he did for Penn State, he was important to try and stabilize that run defense. 
Caleb Artis at 6'4", 320 pounds, while he is a redshirt freshman, showed some flashes in the blue-white game to the point that, hell, I don't know necessarily if you're going to see a lot of him. You might not see much of him. But when you have a dude on the bench that's 320 freaking pounds and you want to be able to throw him in there in maybe an obvious run-stopping situation, he could be the dude to plug up the middle and be you know helmet on helmet right in the A-gap. Who knows? I have a recruiting philosophy of any defensive player's offense or defensive lineman collect big guys, right? We get into this thing of evaluation where you fall for the sexy guy that move well, right? Looking for the offensive lineman that are dancing bears, or you're looking for the defensive linemen that are extremely twitchy. But at the end of the day, man, you have to collect big guys and make these coaches that get paid lots of money develop them into what they need to be, especially at that defensive line position, because you just don't have that many humans walking the earth that are that size and that mobile to be able to play the defensive line position. So when you have those, I think those are extremely valuable, especially for top tier football teams. Mm -hmm. And probably a lack of pressure for him to start and do some things. So maybe that's even better for Caleb. Uh, so that's just me rambling into a vacuum. Let's talk <laughs> about offense because everybody's like, all right, you know, what's going on with Drew Aller? What's going on with quarterbacks? All that stuff. It sounds like the consensus has been through camp that most of the first team reps have been going to Drew Aller. So if anybody is betting futures in terms of who's going to start week one against West Virginia, you can take a wild guess. Um, there, I talked about that scrimmage that went down this past Saturday night. It was rainy. It was nasty out. Um, kudos to everybody that was trying to a compete in that weather. And then B was just physically out there either observing or taking part in what was happening. Uh, and it sounded like drew Aller, you know, it was up and down, but that was part of the weather. And again, I want to emphasize to people to not freak out and to not be like, Oh my God, maybe it's not necessarily right there. And, and we were talking about it a little before it is just kind of understood that going into this part of the year, the defense will be ahead of the offense. Is there anything to worry about in your mind in regards to the maturation of Drew Aller? Nope. Not at all. I don't think there's anything to worry about. I mean, football is such a, a unique game of people working together, and especially when you talk about a lot of those gaps of individuals working together being covered up by hustle, speed, length, when we talk about the things that Penn State defense possesses, right? And so when you talk about offense where you got new weapons, whether it's Drew Aller stepping in for his first year, even though he's been – within the program, but that's a major piece that's getting acclimated with the new receivers, Keandre Lambert-Smith taking a new role. Hopefully you see him like take that step to being that one-touch guy consistently, right? Like go-to, we need to play, boom. Interesting to see how uh, Dante Cephas fits in with the lineup is like, was the transfer worth it in his career, right? Does he jump in and make an impact? Because like all these different types of things are, I think is interesting because that in the college game that we're in, everything is essentially case studies, right? Whether it's whether it's like talent acquisition through NIL, whether it's transfer portal, different type of situations, or how we're just dealing with the development of different players. So I'm saying all to say with the offense, I mean, you have a little discre discrepancies on how they develop because you're probably throwing the ball. You get in the game, man, you can hand the ball off the 10 and the ball off the 13, make a short pass, do this. And it gets different when you're moving the moving the change. And let's not lose sight of their like our offense is going against an elite defense. Like that's also, I mean, regardless of just the standard issue of football, that the defense is always a, ahead of the offense to start the season. This defense is also elite, has the makings of being elite. So let's temper that. You, you love to say it, iron sharpens iron, and that, that sounds exactly like what we're dealing with 
um, from everything that I've been reading and hearing is that Drew Aller is slowly moving into that leadership position that, and I'm not saying that it's the exact same thing, but it was a big question going into the off season. Sean Clifford was looked up to within that team as leader, a leader on offense, leader for the entire team. And I'm not saying that Drew Aller has completely filled those shoes. However, it sounds like he is growing into the role and is making the appropriate calls at the line, which was something you and I talked about with Daryl Clark last week was, hey, he's got to be able to do these things. We know he's got a live arm. We know what he can do in the passing game. And it's a matter of him now going out and doing it consistently. And I really like that he's getting to do it against like, oh, by the way, there's Kalen King, Bednarik watch list. Oh, and there's Abdul Carter, Bednarik watch list. Oh, there's Chop Robinson, Bednarik watch list. Like, it's just murderer's row when you're dealing with this defense it sounds like so it's a good situation that hopefully once you get to that first game against West Virginia it's like oh this is a little lighter than <laughs> than I expected it to be when you watch all the old 30 for 30s and they talk like whether it's the Miami teams or LSU whoever oh. it's like great teams and they talk about the practices or how competitive they were it's like well I gained my confidence because I was going against this person I was going against that person I didn't even really win in practice until I got into the games Hopefully that's the type of dynamic that's being created at Penn State, especially with Drew and this offense. Like it doesn't lack talent, but they're going against a very talented and decorated defense right now that has been playing for together for a while. Mm -hmm. um, also, in these past few open practices, people have gotten to see a little bit more of the running backs and, and nothing out of the ordinary in regards to Singleton and Allen. But if anything, there was a, a light shown on Trey Potts, who you and I have talked about transfer from Minnesota. Uh, final year of eligibility is expected to be the number three running back. Jawan Sider is very high on him. Uh, and if anything, looking at the schedule, would you foresee certain games where Singleton and Allen get pulled after a while and then it is the Trey Potts show just to I mean, eat up certain games? You, I don't think you go into any games with the plan of not giving your running backs – a chance to get touches and get into a rhythm. So if they're a game that gets out of hand, if we want to look at a schedule that says like, okay, maybe I don't know. Delaware. I'm not, call it, I'm not let's say Delaware that these guys are blowing them out. I don't know even if Trey Potts fits into that situation because like Trey Potts is a senior running back that has played Big Ten football where he's mm -hmm. going to have valuable carries and valuable instances where he's going to step into the game. So I think it's more working him into the into the mix when he's needed as a part of that three-back system, more so than leaning on to him when it's like a blowout type of situation. Because I think he brings another dynamic, whether it's ability to catch out of the backfield. I always remember, I haven't seen him too much in college, but coming out of high school, like a very one downhill, one-cut guy that was elusive and, again, a very mature runner. So like that type of backfitting in what they got going on, maybe just add another dynamic and personnel mismatches to throw in there. So I don't really see him as a, a garbage time running back. I see him as fulfilling a pretty significant role, especially now that everyone knows about Katron Allen and uh, Nick Singleton. Mm -hmm. And you got two young freshmen behind him that have a lot of promise as well. Uh, not to mention your cousin is back there, Tank. So, you know. Absolutely. Put all them so, in. Yeah, but I, I, I could run the ball, Tank, man. Tank was excellent last year. <laughs> when Tank got in there, he lived up to his freaking name. So He's, a, he's a load. I wouldn't want to tackle him. He probably would separate my shoulder, little cuz. According to Daryl Clark, you didn't want to tackle any. I'm kidding. No, nah, no. Nah, I mean, it's it's cool. I didn't really want to, but I was about it, though. I would I would tackle it. Ain't no you were. No, you percent were. Uh, that's what's going on with the running backs. Wide receiver. Uh, there had been discussion early in camp, 
and especially when Dante Cephas had just gotten on campus, especially you were just talking about him, that Dante was looking like, oh, okay, this is as advertised. This is this is going to be the number one wide receiver. And I'm not saying that that conversation has dwindled, but it sounds like the promise and hope for Keandre Lambert Smith might be realized and that the words spark and flash are consistently associated with him. And that the guy that we saw really come on a little bit at the end of last season, especially in the Rose bowl and look like, Ooh, that could be the next guy in line, the next, you know, number one for Penn state. We might be seeing that. So uh, what have you heard? Um, same thing that you have ha- have heard is that Keandre is taking that step, right? When you talk about that splash player to be consistently um, showing up and taking some of the pressure off of Drew and the running backs, right? Because at the end of the day, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm stacking up the box and making them, making the offense beat me by throwing the ball. Like they haven't proven that they had enough weapons to make me respect it. Until you have someone like a Keandre Lambert Smith that takes you 70 yards uptown and he's doing his little dance, like that's the type of stuff that makes a defensive coordinator change. But until that happens consistently, uh, you need him to show up and you want to see more, I mean, not see more, but you want to see or hear Dante Cephas step up. It's according to Audrey in our article, he's like still working through the different aspects of getting into the offense. And that's typical, right? And especially the rumblings coming out of how impressive he is just from a, a brute athlete Cephas is an incredible athlete, but when you talk about working in the offensive, the offensive structure, new plays, new guys that you're playing with, I think there's going to be a maturation and a gelling process with him in general. He's only been with the team for the past three months, so I think that should be tempered as well. But we will, I would really love to see Keandre come out and, and be a dominant force from game one. And, and let's not forget the competition at this position seems ruthless to me in that I think there's people expecting this to be a down year for the wide receiver group. And I kind of disagree in that it's just it, it, it's, it's extremely competitive. And I know that's a really overused term when it comes to football. But Trey Wallace, we know what he can be as a number two. Omari Evans came in at exactly the same time as Drew Aller. And those two have been in you know, lockstep for the most part, which has been great to see. Caden Saunders is being talked about potentially for some kick return duties that might go to Nick Singleton. You're going to have to see what happens there exactly. Like, do you want to just really protect Singleton or do you want to make kind of like when Saquon was here and it's like, we're going to make you threatened every single time that there is a play, period. Uh, And then at wide receiver, again, Malik McLean, transfer from Florida State, great size. Malik Mega is not going quietly into the good night and is continuing to fight. And then a name that I think, is no surprise to me is Liam Clifford is that the back end of last season, the opportunities that he got in games, he was that he was that wide receiver that just found a hole in the zone and made good catches, got some yards after the catch. Was he going to burn you? Not necessarily, but a smart route runner who understands the defense. He looked good in the blue white game. And it sounds like through camp he's progressed as well. And it's kind of the dark horse that nobody's really been talking about because I think there's some fans who would like to not hear the term Clifford said again, but at the same time, it's like Liam's doing well. You give a great, I mean, that's a great point. And he, and he has somebody that always shows up in the stat line or even in stories as making a splash or showing up. When I talk about that nickel position and covering players that are in the middle of the field, it's guys like Liam, right? When they're running those switch routes in the middle of the field, your Wes Welkers, your Danny Amendola's, not just saying short white guys. I mean, I'm not trying to say that, but smaller 
slot, slot, slot receivers that have an ability of finding openings in the defense and making a catch. I think that's extremely valuable, especially if you're, I mean, have some burst of speed and some quick uh, area, quick short area of quickness and just ability to catch the ball. I think that's a valuable piece. I mean, just take that and upgrade it. That's a Parker Washington. That's a fifth round draft pick in the NFL that you can do that and have the ability to make, you know, one touch plays and explosive plays on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's extremely valuable. And that is somebody that I overlooked or don't mention enough that can show a lot of value in the offense. So just, I mean, I think we don't hear too much about them internally because Penn State has a great star or nickel in day day or Daquan Hardy on the defensive side. So they probably battle it out um, internally. Yeah. Um, a short white guys are doing everything that we can, Justin. We're trying to slot receivers, man. It's, it's, a, it's a great position. It's not nothing wrong with it. <laughs> no, no, there isn't. And listen, I've spoken to uh, the great Graham Zug in the past. Uh, Graham Zug was a, a killer at one point for Penn State. He killer. Started... Let's that's not let's not like, let's stay on that. Graham Zug is cold, man. One of the best receivers to do it. See, when... Graham and Graham was not. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't. Was it? He wasn't that. again. Not the biggest or fastest. Eh, Graham was smooth though. Like he was smooth. Yeah. He was about six one, six two. Had long catch radius. He he wasn't in that Wes Walker mold. He was more, um, like he was more like a a, a different version of like a Jordy Nelson, something smoother. Mm. Oh, he's That's more in that area, like an outside type of receiver. Mm. Graham was sweet. Graham was a sweet receiver, man. <laughs> When, when I was playing high school football, as a, uh, granted, I was not playing nearly the level of anybody that we're talking about that, but looked up to a guy like Graham Zug. I was like, oh, okay, similar measurables and saw what he could do. It, it made you feel like you could do it, which was great. For me, within the Big Ten, I look at um, Charlie Jones, who lit it up at Purdue last year. Absolutely. So, again, not just a slim a slim white guy or something like that, but it's like you no know, Liam Clifford's game has a like reasonable comp to these guys. So Absolutely. Uh, we, we've hyped up <laughs> Liam Clifford a lot, so we're going to leave it at Let's that. Go, Liam. Yeah, uh, hey, shout, yes. out to Clip, shout out to Clifford though, man. He gets, on, he gets, yeah. he gets on a preseason game with the Packers. Like I know, you might not want to hear about it, but like that scrappiness, that's something that we want to see from Drew Allen. That's that's one trait that we don't want to lose as a from a Penn State quarterback. I know we spoke about it a little bit with Adam Brenneman. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the characteristics of a quarterback, and it's just like that toughness and scrappiness. I always felt comfortable going into a game when I knew that I'm I'm not questioning our quarterback's toughness or just grit. <laughs> Because that's what it takes. I mean, being back there when Trace was in and at the quarterback position, Trace is one of the toughest football players that I've I've seen in my whole career from playing and um my time off the field. But that's what it was. I mean, you want to talk about arm talent and the different things if you're just evaluating a quarterback, if just a blind evaluation, you might say Clifford's better than Trace. But mm -hmm. when it comes to those different intangibles of just that grit and competitive uh endurance and being able to deal with those different types of things you know, different outcomes. Yeah. Uh, a tight end, not no real surprises from what we understand. Theo Johnson, Tyler is, Warren. Let him play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One and two in whichever way, order you see it, which is a really good thing to have. Uh, my expectation based on everything I'm hearing in terms of who's succeeding and who's getting the, the reps and shining right now in camp is Joey Schlaffer has looked good. And Khalil Dinkins has looked good. Khalil Dinkins was maybe the most talked about player coming out of uh, the spring practice period by James Franklin and the rest of the coaching staff. So I expect NFL, to see those guys battling for the three and four spot. NFL legacy dad played tight end in the NFL as well. So it's like, you, you like to see those things continue to trick matriculate down.
Yeah, and uh, I am never forgetting about Andrew Rappelier, who people are continuing to compare to the Pat Fryer move. So we haven't heard a ton about him. Still getting acclimated, came in uh, late, was not a, one of the winter workout arrivals in this class. But you never know. You never know what can happen. Offensive line, um, there are, I think, fans out there who are like, hey, how are we doing on depth? Because you know what you you have a pretty good feeling that you're you know from left to right, you expect it to be Fashanu, Tangwall, Norzad, Wormley, Caden Wallace. From what I understand, Olu Fashanu has looked every bit the part that everybody expects him to be, one of the first two offensive tackles off the board this upcoming year in the NFL draft. Uh, Landon Tangwall uh, was missing this weekend from practice. He's been on the show before, so hopefully that's not anything significant. Hunter Norzad did have injury issues last year, but is moving to center where he has had success when he was at Cornell and has done it a little bit, obviously, now at Penn State. Sal Wormley, we expect to be the right guard. And then Caden Wallace, from what I understand, has made the leap the coaching staff wanted him to make in that it was a question at the back end of last season. I was like, hey, do we need to make a change at right tackle? And it sounds like Wallace has stepped up. What have you heard overall about the front five? I mean, the front five, I think, just consistently throughout the offseason has been expectation to meet where they were last year, right? With another year with the running backs coming up to just in the maturation of their process. But there's a time, like you said, with Olu being a top – Top ten type, top ten type of pick, and the rest of the offensive line continue to grow into that maturity. I mean, I think the difference is now there's an expectation for them to play at a certain level, which is a lot different than even last year because we were like, "Hey, can the offensive line hold up?" So I think there's just a little bit of a difference, different mentality when you're having expectations versus trying to live up and prove people wrong. Um, so with that is being able to play with those expectations, I think, is a critical piece for the offensive line. Yeah, and just stay healthy, ideally. Hundred, I mean, 100%. <laughs> I know that's really easy to say, but again, to make a run like people are hoping for from the Penn State Nittany Lions this year, health is the most important thing. There's so much ability on this team, and it can go awry as easily with one or two injuries in a few different positions. That's the truth. Uh <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, get in the comments section. Let us know what you've seen and heard, what you like, what you're nervous about, what you're excited about. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, rate us. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. And just a little preview for what's coming up next week, Justin, because we had the opportunity to sit down with former Penn State running back Journey Brown recently for an interview that's going to air this coming Wednesday. And Justin, uh, I'm very fortunate I've had the chance to be on this platform for the past two years and getting to know a lot of former Penn State football players, past and present, that matter. This was one of the most emotional conversations I've ever gotten to have with a with an athlete. Um, what was your takeaway? I mean, it was a special. It was it was a special interview for me, especially seeing Journey coming out of high school, seeing the the route he took in his career, the development, and just the, the like the, kind of the pitfall and the way that he told the story about very introspectively how he went through it and how he landed to where he is now. It was uh, extremely inspiring and it was great to see someone's athletic journey. Um, no pun intended turn out the way it says that. Yeah. So that will be airing uh, this coming Wednesday uh, right here on state of state. Thank you all very much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. 
Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.